How's your Lego set going with Seinfeld? Oh, I haven't built it, but can I can I vent for a second, guys? Yeah, please do. We got time. All right. All right. I've got IKEA Billies holding my books and my TV. Okay. They're they're 30, are they 34 and a quarter inches wide on the inside, I believe. Something like that. And I went on Reddit and I bought a Lego modular city detective's office with a pool hall underneath, expecting to be able to slide it in to my little town that I've been building out of the Lego modular city sets. And I've got a diner and I've got a garage and I've got like a police station and I wanted this detective's office in there. I was telling a story from left to right on my shelves and I over, I, I didn't overpay, but I paid I paid extra money because this print's out of, uh, this set is out of print. I built it. It was kind of a pain because the pieces were all a jumble and finished it last night. Got super excited to just slide it in between the diner and the garage. And the shelf is like a 16th of an inch too small to fit mm. in my new building. And, so what are you uh, going to do? I don't fucking know, man. You could sandpaper the side of a billy. That's that's about where I'm at. And I'm going to have to sandpaper it like it's going to take a it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work. It'll be worth it. Yeah, you're probably right. I thought about you. You suggested sandpapering the Legos, but it's a three story building. So I'd have to yeah. cut a 16th of an inch off of three stories worth of Legos. Well, you know, what you could do is you What's could uh, you could take a coat hanger and get it mm -hmm. red hot mm -hmm. and then just take it next to the edge and just go down. Do a, Instead of cutting it, you could be melting off a 16th mm -hmm. of an inch going down there. You know, precision. I you like bring it. heat to the you bring heat to it. I like right? it. Could I do it with a machete? Oh, absolutely. Fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm in. I like coat hangers just because there's a lot of you can choke people with them. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a lot of them around. You're 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 a nervous little man, and uh, you're scared of people breaking into your house, so you keep a coat hanger and fire in every corner of a room. Yeah, I, I get it. Perfectly acceptable <laughs> podcast, two hundred and thirty-seven, where we vi we just keep it good and tight and vibe real nice with it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Welcome to Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode two hundred and thirty-seven, where we keep it chill and nice and tight. For, we just keep it like rainbows and sunshine. That's nothing, nothing but a bunch of rainbows and sunshine over here. Is that a unicorn over in the in the yonder and the blue a, skies? Yeah, in the rainbow. In the rainbow, prancing upon the rainbow. That's the Perfectly Acceptable <laughs> Podcast with Jeff Roman and Django. Where every week, where every week, a lot of times, um, most weeks, most weeks, the uh, most weeks, we gather to talk about the comic books. And you know what? If we don't do it on a podcast, we've been doing it outside of a podcast because we can't help but do it. It's a comic book podcast. It's the Pacific Northwest Premier Pop Culture Podcast, anchored by the one and only Roman Statler whose smiling face is much like the baby's face in Teletubbies that <laughs> ushers in a new day and smiles and laughs and kind of makes the ray of positivity. I'm projecting. Oh, God. I'm, I'm Jeff. Welcome to the show. 
I'm Django, and whatever you can do to never let him laugh like that again, I would appreciate. And I am Roman. (laughs) I have no control over it. (laughs) Happy episode 237. Thank you for your concern as to my whereabouts last week from Will Elmer. It all started just over a week ago. I had returned to work after a week-long vacation getaway. And as work can be when one returns from vacation, it was overwhelming, arduous, and relentless. When the work week finally ended, I decided to go home and clear my mind by sorting and filing my backlog of comics. I was hard at work sorting when suddenly the pile fell. I was trapped. Let this be a lesson to sort frequently. I stayed alive by eating my locally purchased preserves and maintained my sanity by dribbling a nearby basketball. I made a game of seeing how many times I could bounce the ball and then breaking that record. The police arrived to search my home. I shouted until I was hoarse, but they couldn't hear me. I realized if I was ever getting out, I had to do it by myself. I formed a crude rocket from a cigar cigar tube, remembering my experiment from my days in science class. I concocted fuel from baking soda and lemon juice. The rocket took off with a mighty blast of carbon dioxide, dragging the vacuum cleaner cord. I I grabbed the vacuum, pushed the cord, retractor button, and was on my way to freedom. And that's my courageous story. He's got lemon juice in a lot of rooms of his house, I've heard. Fresh back into the world, I have only learned that James Tiny Onion in the the fourth (laughs) has not only decided to quit Batman, but that Joshua Williamson is now taking over control of the cowl. Which leads me to my question of the week. When is a time when you have been completely underwhelmed by a new lead writer choice for an ongoing series, only to be pleasantly surprised by how good the comic turned out to be from my basement with love. Will PS I would recast growing pains with the justice league, Batman, Dr. Jason Seaver, Alan Thicke, Damian Wayne, Mike Seaver, Kirk Cameron, and fill in the rest as you see fit. But boner would definitely be played by booster gold. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Growing pains cast. Um, But that's a great question. When has an underwhelming creative change come on board and not been as bad as you thought it would be? Tom King on Batman. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, especially because we thought it was Jeff King when it started. So. <laughs> that would have been, gosh, who knows? Been, been a different world. We might have we might have gone out of business. Okay. I would say that um, when Rebirth started and Joshua Williamson was announced as the Flash writer, those first like seven or so issues of the Flash were really good. I really liked the beginning of that. And at that same time, um, when Action Comics rebooted for Rebirth, mm-hmm. they brought like old writer guy from like the 90s. I can't remember the name of like a guy who did a lot of the Superman stuff in like the 90s. Dan Jurgens came on yeah. and wrote a pretty great 10 or so issues at the beginning of uh, Rebirth for Action Comics. I like that. I think I was not super excited for the X-Men switch and I've been into the first two issues anyway. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know? Roman's got a deep wealth of... Uh, I'm trying to think of who. I guess, you know... <clears throat> because I hadn't read uh oh um no what's what's the the sex I hadn't read sex criminals so I didn't know what to expect when Chip Zdarsky took over Howard the Duck and I thought it would be mm. awful and it wasn't awful that's a good one what about when Sean Lewis took over King Spawn did you guys uh really get into that that I'm afraid not is maybe a great segue for what will now be our first book of the week. It was going to be third, but now it's going to be our first, which again, sort of box at what I was saying earlier about wanting to make sure everyone had read the first book. And I know Roman hasn't read King Spawn, but dang it, Django, that segue was so good. So we can give us another one. No, let's do King Spawn. This week, we're going to talk about King Spawn number one. We're going to talk about Lester of the Lesser Gods number one. We're going to talk about Echo Lands number one. Superman 78 number one. Ice Cream Man 25. We're going to talk about Superman Lobo number one and Spider-Man Life Story Annual 
number one. Not a ton of Marvel books in that stack, I just realized. Is this this is episode 237? Yeah, is this thing on? 237. 237. That That's the 11th episode of the 11th season of The Simpsons. Oh, my God. If you guys knew that. It's the one where Friends guest starred. Oh. I don't know. I'm just a math guy. <laughs> I'm just a numbers guy. What can I say? Um, Yeah, that show started just a couple weeks away from my birthday. So I consider it my spiritual show. Like the day that you were born? Yeah. Yeah, like it started in 89, I believe in December of 89, I believe, oh, or maybe that November. was with episode one. Yes. So 236 episodes before the 11th episode of the 23rd season of Seinfeld. Seinfeld. And that's a great segue into a joke and Lester of the Lesser Gods. But right now we're going to talk about Sean Lewis's ability to write a detective yarn as a segue out of the detective uh, building. I'm just glad that they killed a bunch of kids in the beginning of King Spawn number one. I know. Right out of I the know. Gate. If there's one thing I love more than a very cool dressed gothic Batman Spider-Man hybrid character like Spawn, it's when you can also get like a whole busload of kids or school load of kids dead. Yeah. It's what the world needs right now. King Spawn, Sean Lewis on uh the script and Todd McFarlane with plot and additional dialogue and he did the backup stories as well. I give Spawn a lot of attempts because he looks fucking cool he does that and i have always thought he looks cool and i was bored in 1989 a couple of weeks away from the simpsons as we've talked about and um <laughs> it's just made me always think that he's super super cool so when there's a new number one i guess i give it a shot i also like give it a shot when it's like 200 and 250 i just give it a shot a lot and it's always a cool cover yeah which is all of them so i've read every issue of spawn i'm just kidding but it's a laborious task every time and i don't know if that's the mcfarlane writing i don't know if it's the the mcfarlane art is the coolest part but he doesn't do the art a lot um but all of that was sort of by the wayside on this because he didn't write this one and sean lewis did and I actually liked it pretty good. Yeah, I think it was a pretty decent detective setup. Like like they're between Spawn and Sam and Twitch, they're trying to figure out who the group is that uh talked this guy into blowing up the school. And um yeah, it's it it's not uh like at the level of Brubaker and Phillips mystery, but it's pretty good superhero mystery stuff. And it's kind of in that realm of like Hellblazer almost. We you have like the Metatron, which I love the Metatron. I love the idea of the Metatron, like the living voice of God and, and mm-hmm. the human being who talked himself into being an angel. And the double page spread spoilers. There's a double page spread in this where Spawn goes to meet the Metatron and he goes into this room and it's a great reveal of that dude has just been blown up from the inside. Mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of bloody writing on all these computer screens and it is a very it's spooking <clears throat> out it was a it was comic page return turns don't oftentimes elicit a response from me and this one i was like oh good lord um it kind of reminded me of the scene in the like hellblazer number three where he shows up and his buddy's been consumed by bugs you did you notice that they bugs. misspelled psalms on that page no, I don't know if it's if it's something that we're going to come back to later or not, but uh, it says Psalms 137, but it's P-S-L-A-M-S all over the computer screen. That's how it's spelled. Slams? P-S-L-P-S. Oh, I'm sorry. I, it's, yeah, it's obviously P-S-A-L-M-S. Sorry, I thought yeah. you were talking about the P-S as being the problem. No, no, um, no. Yeah, you're right. That is all over that room. It is spelled backwards like that, like four Maybe times. Maybe it's a clue. I'm going to pretend it's a clue and I'm going to be super pissed Great if it's not. detective work, dude. Yeah, it's got to be a clue. It's got to be a clue. They do say the word Psalms in dialogue other places. Do you know if they spell it incorrectly there? 
It sure didn't jump out at me when they did. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. I don't know that um, I don't know that I'm super invested in the mystery and the backups just seemed like they went on forever. I didn't read two of them, but I read the gunslinger one because he's so cool with that hat. Did you read the haunt one? No. The guy who has two eye patches? No. That's a lot of eye patches. It's all of them. It's as many as you can have on a... I, on a I would be doing a disservice to Justin face. if I didn't say the patch was on the wrong eye. <laughs> At that point, as a reference. As a reference. Shout out, Justin. Um, yeah, I... I don't know who this bad naked guy in the chair is blowing up all the buildings, the kids, but I'm into this idea of what is King spawn. Mm -hmm. And is it's probably like our main spawn who, again, I didn't live through working at a comic shop or being a comic shop fan at the time spawn was coming out. I just, it was a thing that I saw pictures of as a four-year-old. And I thought that it leaves a lasting impression in what you think is a cool thing, you know, yeah. when you're a little kid. So he always falls into that. I always give it a chance. And I did again, like the gunslinger born thing. Pretty good. I actually would give this book an eight out of 10. I am excited to read it more, but I there's a fair amount of that enthusiasm that I'm just like, whoa, it's a spawn book that there is any interest at all for me to read the next one. Like mm -hmm. that's a that's a unique thing. I can respect that. I'm going to give it a seven uh, for the for the mystery elements and for the fact that the gunslinger spawn at the end of the story pulls up a coffin full of guns, which is what the character Django drags around behind him in the old cowboy movie. Yeah. And his hat is very cool. And also the guy. Oh, sorry. That's actually uh, Superman, son of Kal-El. A different book entirely. <laughs> <laughs> what else has uh, Sean Lewis written? He did an image book called The Few or The Fell. I can't the remember what The Fell was maybe Warren Ellis. The Few, I think, is what it was called. Hmm. Or in like a tree looking book. Yeah, he did The Few, which was had super cool art. He, oh, he also did Bliss and Thumbs and Coyotes. Okay, and there we go. Wow. Um, so he's he's done. I don't know that Some I've finished any of his stuff, but I've really liked the setups on all of them. Yeah. And the few had very cool art inside, like I said. Mm -hmm. um, what was going to be the first book that we talked about this week, but then we had that dope ass segue. That was and... an accident, man. I really want to talk about episode 11 of season 11, but, you know, spawn happens. Um, well, let's talk about Lester of the Lesser Gods while I get into the meat of what episode 11 of season 11 of Sam or uh, <laughs> Friends was. I mean, sorry, Simpsons was. Oh, I don't know. I just like 11.11. Oh, me too. Lester of the Lesser Gods by Eric Powell, Lucky Yates, Mac Cushing, and Gideon Kendall. Um, this is just a, a big old pile of gross poking <laughs> fun at uh, at dudes who live in their mom's basements and talk like Thor when they, when they communicate with people. And uh, gosh, it's just so many gross jokes. I loved it. I did too. I, lo I love... I mean, I love the fact this Lester guy, I don't know where he came up with his his barbarian costume, which which is just a thong, a leather thong and the funkiest uh, leather chaps, except they're not really chaps because they don't go up high enough. I don't know what they are. But his knee guards. Goes, but yeah, he goes around <laughs> town dressed that way and he's got the guts to do it. I, sheesh. It, Guys, it, oh, go ahead. I just want to give away the ghost right now. This was my on paper highest scored book of the week, 9.5. <laughs> I, I also gave it a 9.5. Um, it was just so much fun. It was so gross and stupid and funny. I My DNA was vibrating at the frequency of Roman while reading it. Because like <laughs> it's like in line with that kind of gross out humor book that Roman likes that you guys both like that doesn't always hit for me. But like Scumbag and like mm -hmm. Space Band Bastards and just a lot of Eric Powell stuff. Um, 
but then also just like the odin like the the mythological <laughs> stuff as well just the fact that it's like roman humor but then it's like this just fat spurg lord like talking in mythological speak the entire time and like it's <laughs> it's as horrible as and inappropriate and i is that what i forget at what point he says the mom says something about like i wish you had had a date with a clothes hanger on the night you're just like that is really bleak like there's so some gross. incredibly bleak stuff in this issue i love the yeah, the guy that's like my point is that without hard work and determination i would never have tasted the, the fruit of success this business my status is a hundred thousand air my collection of autographed pictures of me with the complete cast of Friday Night Lights. I was like, yes, my favorite show. And my total romantic conquest of your mother. It was like 80 or some shit. Yeah. It, and, and the art is like, there, there's parts of it that are like uh, Mad Magazine, sort of Mort Drucker level mm -hmm. uh, caricatures. And all the demons are like big demons, but they all have giant red balls and wieners hanging off of them <laughs> instead of their faces, like which is great. Eat my steel hellspawn <laughs> buttlickers. <laughs> yeah, they'll have wiener noses. Um, yeah, it, it wrote a very fine line of like being actually funny to me and not just gross out, but like being on the verge of gross out. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know. It just it, I think that it it was also enough kind of fantasy humor kind of making fun of that culture as well as just being a, and he's not a total jerk as well, which I do kind of like, but he's also not a hero. Yeah. I love it when his, his he loses the, his dad's spear and he says, turds, yeah. double turds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, it's, good character work and it's i think you know by the end i'm sure he's going to be a hero that we don't really want to admit is a hero because he's just kind of a, a gross butthead it, it kind of reminded me of uh um the god you got it's gone. it it's gone buddy did, how much did you love every time he was on his moped and he referred to it as like his valkyrie and like you were making <laughs> yeah. fun of it he was, this is my sweet valkyrie <laughs> This is like, uh, okay, I gave you a book, Jeff. Okay. It was wrapped in uh, like a uh, Bible. Confederacy cover. of Dunces. Confederacy of Dunces. Yeah. Main character's name is... Dartmouth. Mm. D'Artagnan. It's this guy. This guy. Lester. Is is the guy. God, oh. something's wrong with my brain, boys. If I can't remember the name of Ignatius J. Riley for three minutes. You need um, some more soup in that body of yours. Mmm, oh. noodle soup. That was a friend's reference for anybody who needed a friend's reference. Mmm, noodle soup. That's tomato soup. You don't. <laughs> I can't. I, it almost. It, you open the book up and you're like, man, I hope. I wish this was Eric Powell. But then you're like two pages in and you're actually. It doesn't feel at all lesser than. You know, like it. It. I think the art was really perfect for it. It's. I think it's easy for me to want Eric Powell art in a book that feels like an Eric Powell book. Yeah. And this art is wonderful. Like the, I, I would read almost any comic with this art in. It's it just really good characters. Yeah, that was and and written Eric Powell and these other two guys, which Matt Cushion I haven't heard of, but Lucky Yates, not to be confused with Bellingham's own Rowdy Yates, mm, no. but uh, I don't, I'm not actually I can't I don't know what else I've read by Lucky Yates, but I I like his work. Kathy Duckbot, we ride. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that. I like the fact that Odin says, yeah, yeah, it's true. I raw dog the mortal knows Mavis and the John is the Lester's mom. And I, that just made me crack up because the only other person I've ever heard use the term raw dog is Jeff. Ew, I wouldn't <laughs> say I, that. I think I think I thought that's where I learned the term from was you. 
I only refer to it in terms of how I drink my tea, which is with no sugar or honey or milk. Oh, I raw dog it. It's like Conan <laughs> fucked Louis Anderson and their bastard fucked a ham sandwich in a bondage <laughs> club. That's yeah. that's what made me laugh out loud while I was taking a shit and reading this comic, yeah. which I think yeah. is the right place to read this comic. Made me feel like I was hanging out with you guys. So that was nice. I I, I really liked it. Like I said, I gave it a 9.5. It really was. Uh, it's it's not often do things make me laugh out loud while I'm alone. And this did. I, I give it an eight. Uh Super funny and uh, not something I would recommend to anybody that I didn't know really well. <laughs> yeah. And I gave it a 9.5. Making good time, buddies. Well, hey. It was for that demon dick and balls, wasn't it, Roman? There were several of them. There was, there was that one demon that was all mouth and dick and balls yeah. and, limb, and, and limbs. That was that was an awesome design. Just a giant red <laughs> circumcised penis and balls. And balls. Coke and balls. balls. It was like a big red Coke and balls. Oh, that would be a perfect segue into the winter guard but no the winter guard but we're not talking about that one so (laughs) well the big red like red lady red cock and balls like the red she goes by the red echo lens okay yeah that works well on the topic of cock and balls (laughs) echo lens um echo lens number one by jh williams the third w hayden blackman dave stewart and todd klein talk about a book with some back matter jesus it was high on its own supply there yeah, it sure it, was. It actually made me kind of roll my eyes at the amount of back back matter, and that never happens. It was four pages of the albums <laughs> he listened to. While I saw it, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is like two pages. How cool!" Like it's detailed down to like clearly the guy really likes vinyl as well. So he's like talking about yeah. limited edition purple smoke. But then I flipped the page. I was like, "Oh my god, it's two more pages of like just <laughs> the out music." He's like, "That is the most self indulgent use of pages of it." But also, J.H. Williams the third with a book that looks as good as you always make books look. Like whatever you need to do is totally fine. You know, far yeah. be it from me. Yeah, there's a lot of Bowie and Hawkwind in this list. Yeah, I, I approve. <laughs> yeah, I I wanted to definitely talk about the back padding and the back matter, but there was like the the weird random just like cartoon page that I was like, what is this here for? The I think that the first few pages of the back matter are supposed to be excerpts from a magazine. Okay, it, like an in world magazine. So like the re- the interview with the wizard. And then those cartoons are, I think, both supplementary material to the comic. And then the, it has the, the back cat. of it is. Yeah, there's ads here for businesses we see in the comic. Yeah, yeah. so that, that makes sense. Yeah. But down to the um, actual comic here. It was great. I thought it was awesome. I Sounds like I, I was alone. No, the, I, the, no yeah, sorry. I, no, Roman, <laughs> sorry. you go. No, I, uh, uh, the art is beautiful, of course. I mean, the, that was astounding. I don't know that I care about the story at all yet, but the art is gorgeous. That is exactly how I feel. It's hard to look at a book that is this gorgeous and give it anything less than like, I don't know, a very high score. I didn't give it an insanely high score, but I do think it's maybe the most like beautiful book I've seen in forever. But it is it is like a very fantasy book and... I don't know how much I care about the story, but I could look at these pages and move through them. I, I don't I don't always love like his dialogue, the characters like um, he's maybe one of the greatest living comic artists, I think. Mm-hmm, and yeah. and he's not one of the greatest living comic book writers, but it's not he's not a bad writer at all. But there's just like a, a disparity in those two skills. So it kind of stands out to me. But it's I I, I I did enjoy it, but it also it was like very fantasy as well, which is, you know, it's I, I don't 
that's not a car I am always super immediately happy to be in. But I, I also did really enjoy reading it. You know, for me, it was fantasy, which is like like you, not a not a realm that I'm super into. But it was also Nazis, and it was also pirates, and it was also cowboys, and it was also sci-fi. Um, and I can get behind that. I really liked really liked the bad guy character design. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, the, the the soldiers and the and the main bad guy. I love that there's like I don't know, there's just like every single bit of pop culture going back to ancient Egypt included in this world. And yeah, I, I that, that was super cool. That I got that. You know, we get a pretty big shot of the world in page four and five. Mm-hmm. And I was not sure of what was going on or what this book was yet. And I was looking at it, I was like, man, I almost at this point, it's hard for me to not feel like I'm reading Sandman when I read his art, just because yeah. overture. And then I looked in the back there and you can see Dream in the back of that cloud or crowd. And I was like, oh, shit, it is Sandman. Oh, yeah. but, nice. um, but you said something when it came in, which is like, yeah, there's a like an amount of P. Craig Russell in here. And I, as I was reading it, I totally agree with that. The fact that he can do the watercolory, dreamy space stuff and then his more grounded stuff as as refined and pretty as P. Craig Russell is just an incredible like double-edged sword to me. There's Clint Eastwood on this on page two or page yeah. four or whatever. Man with no name. Yeah. They're next like to strange and they're next to uh isn't that lone wolf next to him holding that that oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Cast cask. Interesting. Gosh, yeah. I, I could get lost in this world. Yeah, I was wondering, do you guys know who the two black and white characters and one looks like Frankenstein's creature? And he's arguing with the guy. It looks like the Jack Knight Starman. <laughs> he the, he the Jack Knight Starman guy looks like he's got vampire teeth to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's a little girl. I, I don't know who they are, but yeah. I'm not, hmm. Maybe he's saving the little girl from Frankenstein from hmm. yeah. from the old I black and white movie. There was also some like just made me have vibes of Little Bird at times, just with like the kind of evil oh. Nazi types with like the red arrow and like the visually mm-hmm. iconic nature of that. And it, well, it does. The, sorry, go for it. In the beginning. I didn't notice this until I was just looking through it a second time just now, but she's Red Riding Hood. Oh, yeah. there you go. Like the first, the very first three, four, five panels are her as Red Riding Hood. And so this is her grown up. Okay. That's a cool, cool get. Good call. Yeah. yeah I, I like it. I liked it, you know, quite a bit. In fact, actually just talking about it is going to raise it from a 7.5 to me to an eight. Um, mm-hmm. I, You know, I, I, I'm sort of at a loss because I do. It's one of the most beautiful comics I've held in my hands and it's bound horizontally. So the comic pages are drawn horizontally, but not in the way that it's bound on the long end, but it's actually bound on the thin end. So it's like the, the Brian K. Vaughn book barrier, right? Is that what it's called? Or private eye. Yeah. But barrier was bound like a comic. And this yeah. Is yeah. Sorry. Private eye is the, the one top. I meant. The, yeah. But that's eye. the one that, um, and it works really, really well. I, I hope that it, you know, binds well and doesn't kind of fall apart like those other ones do, but uh, like Private Eye does. But yeah, even just like the double page spread of like when, you know, Jonah Hex or whatever gets stabbed through the door that blows mm-hmm. up. And then like the bottom third of the entire double page spread is just this close up of her eyes. It reminded me of sort of like widescreen cinema, like old spaghetti westerns or something where they how use you, a. It's amazing. How? Yeah. It's how do incredible. you pull off a, a panorama that is what that's like? Uh, like a one to 16 ratio or something like that. I was astounded. I worked the latter half of uh, Wednesday this week. because I had to give my mom a ride to a surgery appointment. And I was very surprised we had not sold more of this. I think mm-hmm. that like anybody who has any passing interest in comic book, like just the possibilities of what you can do with comic book storytelling. Yeah. I think that 
every time that jh williams the third does a book where he does the full art duties and dave stewart does the coloring like it it is one of the most beautiful things that you will see like it is i i don't think anybody is really quite on the tier you know i love like frank quietly is my favorite artist but he doesn't like I, I this is even just like a different type of thing than that it's like atmospheric and it's exploratory with, yeah and like the paneling and the gutters and the way that he like every page is like a thing that's like breathing at you um yeah it's absolutely incredible any any artist that you love is represented in here in a, in an interesting way like there's bits of jeff darrow there's sean phillips there's like everybody yeah and I, I i i'm sure that he knows that and he's doing it on purpose oh yeah i mean there's there's even like i feel like this one guy has got like a blue half weird face is like stephen Bissett style mm -hmm. and there's dick tracy there's there's herjay the um Tintin. yeah 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 and it's wonderful and then the, the after sorry Romy, yeah you go oh sorry i even feel like there's when the uh i don't know the name of the i don't remember the main big villain in the robes um with the the fake face when she burst in and there's her police force and they kind of look like they're out of characters out of um yellow submarine except they've mm. got these cool like leather snm dog muzzles strapped to their faces <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right yeah it's it's absolutely spectacular and then to i think you know django you mentioned this little red riding hood like that's a really cool framing device for the whole thing i didn't pick up on because it doesn't insultingly just tell us that but mm -hmm. then at the right up at the end what jh williams that they're talking about the creation of this book it sounds like it's been like 12 or 13 years of just life obstacle preventing them from making this and all of the obstacles i'm like oh i remember when that happened and that happened in his career and it's just interesting that it's cool that he's finally getting to tell a book that he really wants to do the story for and yeah um has a lot of control over it and it seems influenced by his time on promethea and his time on uh sandman so and it's know, a character that he's had in his brain since he was a little kid right yeah yeah. 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 So really impressive on that front. I, yeah. What were your scores? What Roman, what did you give it? Uh, I gave it, where am I? I gave it a nine just exactly for the reason that, yeah, the art is absolutely gorgeous, but I'm not, the story hasn't grabbed me yet. I'm going to give it a nine also um, just for the craft. I, I have, I have no qualms with the story, but the the score is for the art and the the assembly of the product yeah it's yeah this whole I, thing is it feels good to read which if if i don't know if you guys know this but i'm not a big fan of sideways comics where you gotta flip it I'm sideways and turn it like a calendar i hate that um but this is something special yeah my score of eight i think is too low but i have to be honest if it were a different artist doing it i don't <laughs> think i would read any more of it mm -hmm. like story-wise but that's an unfair thing because it's a whole package and that's really you know so I, I yeah there's it should be higher than any i don't like that score i think everyone should read it because i think it's an, it's just an amazing thing that comic books are doing another book that kind of astounded me this week was superman 78 number one by Speaking robert benditi and will torres alfredo torres will torres wilfredo wilfredo torres there we go <laughs> thank you that's weird um i was not going to read this book and it's because I read the Batman 89 book two weeks ago. That was the week we didn't have a podcast. And I liked that pretty good. I was like, dang, it really feels like the Tim Burton movies. Then I watched Batman Returns with Sam and that movie is just deeply fucked up. But as I was looking at this, I was like, I really have no nostalgia for the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. Like they kind of confused me as a kid. The only one I really liked and watched was the fourth one, just because I think I liked the naked sun man getting made at one point. Um, <laughs> but 
put on your uh, Catwoman outfit and watch, <laughs> and that watch movie. the the hot naked guy born out of the sun. You know, I was a confused kid. I'm still a confused guy. Um, so I skimmed through this, but like the final eight pages are like Superman fighting Brainiac, and it's like my favorite looking Brainiac, like when he's the robot. Mm-hmm. And while I don't have a huge amount of deference for the Christopher Reeves Superman, him in that costume is like it does take me back to being like two years old or three years old and seeing Superman for the first time, like the shade of blue uh, Mm -hmm. and the way that this costume looks like it. It um, it did something to me. So I read the final six pages of this and I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to the beginning and just start it and see if I like it. And I really liked it. I I think that this is um, you could remove it from the idea that it's tapping into a movie franchise with and and I think it's just it reads like a really fantastic older Superman story. Whereas Mm -hmm. the Batman 89 book, which I liked a lot, I couldn't really separate it from being tied to that Tim Burton movie verse. And like, of course, I was singing the music for the movie in my head while looking at this. And I was like, dang, that looks like Christopher Reeves. And I could see Margot Kidder and stuff. But um, I just thought it read like a really great old Superman story. So I'm curious what you guys thought about it, considering you are people who probably went and saw those movies in theaters and stuff. Well, I think Margot Kidder on page five or whatever is colored as if she's Marion Ravenwood in Cairo. Oh, over my head, but I agree with you. Um, Still looking for it. I don't. I don't think I like this comic very much. Oh, uh, maybe because I just don't don't have any real Superman touchstones that that fit this, and I didn't think that the the craft of the book was super great. So like, it didn't get me in the nostalgia bone. It didn't get me in the this is interesting to look at or read bone. Um, it, it went down easy, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that's part of actually what the some of the appeal was for me is like the end was a lot of gorgeous art and storytelling mm-hmm. that wasn't super wordy, whereas Batman 89, one, which I enjoyed, was a little more laborious to get through. So that's when I was like, well, that was a quick final couple of pages. Like, maybe yeah. I'll check out the it went down easy. I, I totally agree with you there. Roman, what do yeah. you think? Um, I think I liked, but just because we're talking about the other one, too, I, I kind of liked Batman 89 a little better. Um, it was weird because I. <laughs> I both don't like this art, but I do like the way that, yeah, that's definitely Christopher Reeve. That's Margot Kidder. That's, uh, I forgot his name, that played Perry White. Um, he definitely captured their faces, even though I don't like the art. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. And, it, and it, that is a great version of Brainiac. That's almost, I mean, I guess the first Brainiac I ever saw was the classic one with the, the pink unitard and the green skin with the red things on his head. So that's my favorite Brainiac. But this is my second second favorite Brainiac, the horrible scary cyborg thing (laughs) that was cool and it's funny this i have a lot of nostalgia for the superman movies christopher reeve i still think is like the best live action superman Mm -hmm. and it's funny the art in here and this always bothered me even when i was a kid and it's because you know christopher reeve was in a was in a harness but he holds his fists at such weird angles and it always looks so awkward. And it's funny that the <laughs> artist drew exactly that awkwardness with his fist. That always made me think, why is he? Do- why is Superman doing that? What the hell's wrong with him? <laughs> you know, I don't mind the art at all. I don't dislike it at all. It, it feels just a lot like Steve Lieber to me. Um, oh, but I can kind of see that. Package. But it's not the whole package for right. sure. <laughs> um, but it, it feels like that to me. But again, 
um, yeah, I think, you know, both of you guys are totally right. But I, I read the Superman Son of Kal-El and I was like, well, I really like this. But in that one, you know, Superman's taken off and he's going away and John's going to take his spot. And I was like, OK, well, like I like they're kind of making him a classic Superman. And then I read this and I was just like, oh, I'm really glad that we can have our cake and eat it, too. Like mm-hmm. Superman can be leaving planet and doing whatever he's doing over there. And I can also get this thing, which I do like miss it. I miss like Superman working at the Daily Planet, being an oaf, having a secret identity. I like cheesy looking brain. Like it's just like it's so much of the cheesy stuff of Superman um, that I, I really really like and isn't really around anymore. I mean, I really like. I, I'm with you on the character design on these. This is this is the Superman and the Brainiac, and all the other Supermans and Brainiacs can fuck off. But um, <laughs> yeah. That that wasn't enough to to totally. Yeah, I, I I can I totally totally see that, and I was I was just pretty stunned that I cared at all because I was not gonna read it. Um, yeah. And the final pages made me then read it, and I was it was a uh, I think my second favorite book of the week actually, guys. It was my nine oh. It really um, cool. big Torres head. I don't I don't I wouldn't have said it before this. I don't have any like the only thing I know <laughs> that they've done is Jupiter's Circle. Like I don't. Mm-hmm particular and that's not a book that i've read um Dude, if you like the art in this you're gonna love the art in jupiter's circle i think that it's not that i like the art i just think that like i don't love steve lieber's art but i think it's very proficient at what he mm-hmm. like when he's doing things like he's kind of the perfect artist for it but it's like a lot of like business suits and people talking and whatnot right. <laughs> and i think this guy is very like it doesn't impress me but it, i don't think it's any way negative like i would prefer this like to um superman son of kal-el this week like Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel really house style. It's it is it's it's kind of its own yeah. thing, but it's not super impressive. But I would rather this than like fire and muscles and speed lines in the way that. But I'm curious where where you guys. We I don't even think we have Superman Son of Kal-El on the rundown, but I, I'm I think curious we what you guys jump thought about to that, that next. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Yeah, that that was a good issue. Um, I'd give this one a six and a half. I think I would also give this book to a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might it might be the first comic that they love you know it just it i guess it just oh. wasn't super challenging and i don't have i don't have the the nostalgia touchstone for it so it uh it fell really into that other podcast we listened to um what they've been talking about lately the gosh meter good old fashioned superheroes to yeah. me there was a couple books this week that really were just good old fashioned superhero books and this one really kind of i've i've been missing that and i didn't really realize how much i've been missing it but like everything mm-hmm. is very progressive right now and i think that's very good but i also kind of like being reminded of comic books from the 70s or 80s and just like right. that those happened and so i'm glad that we got a little bit of it what'd you give it roman i might bump up my score a little bit just because i happened to flip open to a page and saw these two sound effects um when this thing hits metropolis vadoom and then it show <laughs> and then it shows clark and perry in perry's office and instead of rumble the sound effect is doomble <laughs> this was a lot of fun um i especially love the daily planet stuff and the brainiac stuff i'll give it a wait i have my score where's my score i lost i lost my place I'm referring to my sheet because i can't remember because uh i gave it an eight. Oh yeah oh yeah listen boys i i'd love to talk about superman son of kal-el with you if you'll have me yeah let's talk about some john kent superman son of kal-el tom taylor um Artist is somebody Tim's John Tim's Bruce Tim's not Bruce, Bruce Tim's. Tim's um Alexander Tim's Stephanie it's Tim's. John Tim's yeah okay and who's that who's that uh colorist Gabe Eltab Eltab that's Beagle yeah. backwards oh you're right you're right big fan of the Ringo oh yeah this is the, the McCartney thing mystery 
So, Jang, what'd you think of this one? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I like the, the like in the in the beginning, John's going to school dressed up in a blonde wig and and uh, pretending to be Finn Connors. And of course, on his first day of school, a crazy gunman shows up and he has to show that he's not who he who he was pretending to be. It's like that the words were etched in all the bullets and it was like truth and these words. That was what I was thinking was Spawn yeah. for a second, but yeah, totally. Uh, and and some kid tries to give him back his wig and he, he runs away to the moon and his dad gives him the keys to the ultimate bachelor pad in, in the, <laughs> the form of the fortress of solitude bachelor wing that's as big as a fucking skyscraper um and he there was an interesting an interesting thing where uh like all these politicians wouldn't wouldn't do anything about a bunch of immigrants coming across on a ship and the ship was about to, you know, break apart in the waters and John saves them. He brings them to the port and the cops start arresting these people. And he like I beams their their handcuffs off. It was just an interesting conversation about like how John's doing something undeniably good, but he gets these people here and good things aren't necessarily going to happen to them while they're here because uh, he can't he can't watch over them the whole time. And uh, I, I like that. Like, how heavy would that weigh on you? As, as an adult, but even like as a high school kid, right? Yeah, this issue made me have a lot of thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. And I I really like it. And I'm, I, I'm almost, I'm kind of in this camp of like apologetically Tom Taylor at this point. Like I just oh, choose to it. not dislike anything. But what I will say is that we are moving towards some era where Superman is leaving Earth. And we don't mm-hmm. really know the full circumstances of that yet, but we know it's happening and John's kind of taking his place and, and Nightwing was mentioned and here it's mentioned. And um, so that's, there was almost like a sadness. I was like, I don't know what we're approaching, but I can feel Superman getting ready to go. And that, I don't, you know, that, that part of me is like, I don't want that because you're my super daddy. But the conversation he has with John, I really liked the conversation with John, but then, you know, as he's talking to John, he's like, it's a big world. He's like, it's big, but it's small. And then John just sort of like, lists all the things wrong with it like the ecosystem like everything that's going wrong and it's all these things that are going wrong in our world and i we need to be focusing on those to fix those but at the same time then superman needed to remind him like yeah but instead of thinking about what it is think about what it could be and i that's the thing that's so great about superman so i you know i want my superman to be an optimist as well so i hope that Superboy superman learns that and that's a part of who he is because especially over the last year there's a lot of people i think who are optimistic who who choose to be optimistic by being really cynical like broken downly cynical and paranoid mm-hmm. about everything and i just choose to in my personal life live a life where i think that you can't just focus on how broken everything is to get out of it like you have to have some hope while also focusing on those problems to be able to constructively work through them and you know that's what i want my superman to have as well but again a lot of people i've talked in the last year are more in that john camp of just like this sucks this sucks this sucks this sucks and we need it to be better and it's like yeah but that's just wallowing in how terrible everything is you know that that joy of the optimism is a big thing i like about superman um but yeah i mean it it kind of reminded me of conversations that I've had with my kids where, you know, Eli will say that he's not watching movies anymore because of how bad the companies that make the movies are. And I'm like, what? but movies have always brought you joy. Yeah. And there are good things that come out of this. He's like, nope, Amazon's terrible and they fund. I'm not going to do it. And there's there's a certain amount of, I think, absolutism that comes with being a little bit younger before you realize that you have to you have to make concessions in order to not 
not be bitter all the time. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with John here because, you know, it's totally possible that they're setting him up to be a really shitty Superman because he's a little too cynical. Yeah, or this is the journey of him learning to have mm -hmm. optimism or something, which is... Fingers crossed. Know. Yeah. Roman, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. And I hope it's the journey <clears throat> toward optimism for him. I really like the part of him and his dad's conversation where John, you know, asks his dad, Superman, why don't you do more? And just Kal-El saying that, you know... I'm an alien. I always felt like in to a certain degree, it wasn't my place to like really pun intended super change things, but you know, you're an earthling, you were born here. You can do things that I can't and it will be seen differently. And you know, you feel differently and it'll, and that'll be great that there's, that's, that'll be your thing. Also, have you seen Superman how many trains and super ships and <laughs> space shuttles I've saved? Well, <laughs> but I, but I also, I totally agree. I thought I, and I agree with Roman. I mean, yeah, also, but, but it made that argument made a lot of sense to me. It made yeah. sense that Superman would always feel like an outsider and would be worried about just being like imperialistic, like being from a culture, going to another culture, asserting your views on what is good. He'll, he'll never be able to do that on Earth because he wasn't born on Earth, but Superboy can. So um, I gave this one an 8.5. There's, um oh, there's, what else was I going to say? It's interesting that Tom Taylor, he's, and I said this with the first issue too, he's making me care about uh, John Kent as Superman, which I didn't want to do because, you know, like you, Jeff, I want Kal-El as my Superman and you know, his kid. Plus I, plus I have still kind of resent how Bendis stole the experience, not only from his parents in the book, but for the reader of seeing Superboy become oh, wow. Superman. Yeah. We didn't get to see those seven years. So in a way I haven't cared about his character because th there wasn't that time to see him become this character. It's yeah, just well, all, all of a sudden, boom, here he is. I totally yeah. agree with you. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. And now Tom Taylor though is making me care, which is pretty pretty damn cool um i give this one an eight thank you sorry i didn't mean to transition out of your score yeah and i think i gave this one oh i gave it an 8.5 do you guys are you are you guys comfortable vamping for just a moment while i go get a another drink yeah you do that and then we'll talk about Roman Superman for him. Lobo. Um, strike a pose let's get to it hey roman are you watching the, this season of ted lasso yet i haven't started it yet okay. but but I'm I I promise I will like within the next 24 hours. Oh no 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 <laughs> pressure in that regard. I was just there was a moment I rewatched last week's episode um, today in preparation for the new episode that comes out today, and he mentions being a he's a fan of rom communism, and it's not communism, but it's the beliefs inherent within romantic comedies, and it's sort of the <laughs> the optimism that I think Superman has is what I love so much. But then I was watching that Ted Lasso episode, I was also like, yeah, but that's a you can't just hope and assume everything's going to work out you have to mm -hmm. some agency as well so um there's a conversation to be had there that made me think about this issue but um oh, sweet it's also got me oh sorry sorry the it's funny that because of future state we know where kal-el's going and i'm already wondering well how and that's part of the story we're entering now is how does he get trapped on world war war world and how come the jla and everybody didn't go rescue him yeah i i think the future state stuff really um future's end or whatever the fuck it was really fucked up 
the that story and everything even like yeah. the superman <laughs> like the J- john kent superman thing where he bottles metropolis and everything is like oh, is that yeah. what we're going into because like there's not a lot of positive growth there that's what i was <laughs> no. saying like, about the, like him being i think a shitty we might guy. see him being yeah. kind of a bad superman but also like watching him do that in that series i could see how he came to those decisions right it's it's you know, it's like so many things. It's just uh, different priorities than than you want. Superman. Well, on topic of Superman, I th- heard he fought Lobo this week. Dude, he fucking fought Lobo this week. <laughs> and uh, so this is uh, by Tim Seeley with uh, Mirka Andolfo on art and uh, Arif Puritano, Puritano on colors. I guess it's uh, Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty. Roman. Django. You read this. I did. This this book was super weird. Like I I got halfway through it and I was like, I don't know if this is worth the time that I'm spending. Like I'm going to die someday and I'm reading this comic. <laughs> and then by the end of it, I was like, this is really pretty good. Uh, I, like, like two pages before the end, I was like, oh, this must be a one shot. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh no, this is going to be an awesome, this is going to be a few issues. Yeah, I had the same thing where I was like, oh, this is going to be a one shot. Oh, no, it's not. You know, I just have to say, I, I love how maybe subconsciously we keep on saying, talking about these super books, how they're all super whatever adjective. I love that little <laughs> unintentional puns. Um, <laughs> they're super great. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I can't say struggle. That's too strong a word. I almost nodded off a few times mm-hmm. reading this. Um, even though I like, I, I like, I mean, there's a giant space tardigrade they have to deal with, and I like the I like the commentary and what what he's doing with social media and stuff. I don't like the fact that Lobo came up with that because that's not a Lobo type thing. That's way too complex of a plan for Lobo to do. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's Black Label. <laughs> so, so the the setup is that uh, Lobo is on like a resort world and he's hanging out being a badass. And there's this robot that's going around this, like this robot lady who can look like various things is going around and gathering information. She gets super excited to meet Lobo because he's the last Zarnian. And then Superman shows up to fight the Tardigrade and she gets super excited because she's got the last Zarnian and the last Kryptonian hanging there. And through a series of events, including Lobo putting a, a big palm tree inside of the Tardigrade's butthole, um, they end up back on Earth, and Lobo's Lord. trying to tear down Superman by getting on social media, Lex Luthor's social media account or social media platform, and using these robots that can look like anybody to hashtag things against Superman. Like Superman rescued me, but he didn't even ask if I was afraid of heights before he flew me away from the burning building. And it just it it kind of nails a lot of the social yeah. media stuff that we've got going on right now that feels oh nice work but it's not exactly what i wanted yeah yeah sometimes entitled sometimes performative sometimes just shitty people being shitty to something kind of good buttholes if you will yeah uh, yeah where, where you put a palm tree but yeah roman i i agree that that lobo coming up with the idea of a shitty hashtag to tear down superman is sort of sort of strange yeah i mean i, I mean i like that it's it's clever and people trying to cancel superman for being superman mm-hmm. but but yeah lobo coming up i mean lobo's not a deep thinker and how would he even know a damn thing about you know instagram and hashtags and earth social right. media <laughs> right. and he and he wouldn't care <laughs> yeah and then by the end we find out that the tardigrade is also the last of its kind and uh he's got powers to send superman and lobo off to their home planets um with all their people but he gets confused and sends <laughs> superman to a populated zarnia and lobo to a populated krypton which 
that was a funny gag. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's, that's, that's the whole cliffhanger is they're, yeah. they're in the wrong places. Jeff, I know you didn't read it, but the the in the background, there's Lobo's old teacher hanging oh, out. Oh, from that first issue of Lobo. <laughs> oh, that's who that <laughs> nice. is. Nice. Okay. We did a podcast about that about a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's a clever setup for the next issue. And I was surprised because of the, uh, the character, the girl that shows up that's kind of collecting anthropological information about the last mm-hmm. survivors because of the colors of her outfit and her hair color. I, th- and the fact she's floating around and using a, not a boom tube, but a, but a poof tube. And there's mm-hmm. just these little poof things when she tra- teleports around. <laughs> um, but I thought she was going to end up being uh, an imp from Mr. Mixapitalix's dimension. She might. And actually, yeah, I guess she still might. Um, a robot amp. Yeah. I mean, I think we have three more issues after this somehow. Is there three issues? <laughs> it's Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I enjoyed elements of this, but other parts I was a little bored. And I got to admit, I, I think I'm not a uh, Mirka Andolfo art fan. Mm. So there's a couple times with like, especially Superman's face where I'm like, wow, what's... What's going on with his face? I like her art smaller rather than bigger. I, I think like, that, that, the yeah. books of hers that I've read have been like, what was the one with the the pig lady who got kidnapped by the wolf man? Unnatural. Oh, um, Unnatural. I like the art in that quite a bit. But yeah, this, at, at yeah. this bigger size, it, it kind of shows the simplicity. So I'm curious how you would score this book with that, uh, the balance of what you liked and didn't like from it. Uh, me? Um, Both of you, but Roman particularly seem to have a, a disparity. in. Yeah, I, boy. And even now I'm struggling because I gave it a six initially. And maybe I would bump that up to a seven talking about it. I would give the first half a six and I would give the second half an eight. So I'm going to give it a seven. Mm. Um, I thought the second half was really inventive and interesting, uh, especially the cliffhanger. I would, I would give it an extra point and a half. I'd, I'd bump this up to a nine and a half if they'd had the balls to say fuck. Mm. It's a <laughs> like, table book. They should have. Yeah, they, they've totally wasted the opportunity to have Lobo talking like we all know Lobo talks like this should have been. Although, isn't that kind of the fun of Robo? Ro- Lobo is that his whole language is based on not being able to swear. Like he has all these dumb words that are not saying those words. But he also uses like skull, skull and crossbones and ampersands and okay. octothorps. Yeah. Like, In the original I, stuff. Yeah. I want okay. this to be lesser, lesser of the lesser gods. Yeah. Yeah. Scripted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I would give it a lot higher score. That said, by by the end of the book, I, I did almost fall asleep halfway through like you did, Roman. But by the end of the book, I was like, fuck, I wish I had the second issue to read right now because <laughs> I, I love that setup. Yeah, it's a great setup. It's funny, too. The last word of the issue is Lobo saying fuck, but it's all the symbols. Yeah. Um, and I don't think and I don't remember, but I don't think in this whole issue he calls anybody a bestiche. I never put a French accent on it. I was going to say, I've never either. heard that. Oh, ignite, how, that's how, how, nice do you, how do you guys say From now on, it's Bastiche. It's Bastiche <laughs> from now on, for sure. You are a Bastiche. I like the cultured Bastiche. <laughs> um, hey, before we go to Spider-Man uh, Life Story Annual and Ice Cream Man, we've got a voicemail from our good friend, Andrew, the Fots producer. Let's check it out. Pots. Andrew can edit this sound. Yeah, I don't hear anything. He's, he's the, is he the editor or the producer? He's all, all of the above. Andrew. He's, he's Omni-Man. Omni cut. There's Omni no bots. audio that's, coming out. That's the joke, Jeff. He tricked you. <laughs> Andrew. Fots pots. It's like a Fot- Doctor Who. Fotsy. Fot pots. Pots. I'm sorry, Andrew. I bet that you I bet that this is a voicemail somewhere. 
but I don't know why it won't play audio like normally it does. I hope it's not a problem with my phone, but it's not coming out. Um, so I've just got you a minute wanna, of you silence. You email it to me or text it to me and uh, I can try. I it bet too. it's about cable reloaded. So let's roaming. Can you give me 30 seconds of how awesome cable reloaded is? And I apologize, Andrew, if that's on my end, but it, I've not had this problem before. 29. Um, it was it was very awesome. It's her Krakowin book and Al Ewing. So, you know, it's going to be good. Great science fiction and cables. You know, he's one of those X characters I never really cared about. But, you know, with the good writer, he's pretty freaking cool in this. He does some awesome stuff when he jumps off the sword station, basically, and free falls to Earth. And he's got this pseudoscience, like bullet shaped force field that gives out when he's almost impacting the planet. And, and what happens next is great. It's just it was a fun book. And I, it, uh, it's I cable. Just, <laughs> I just sent Django the audio file. Let's see if his phone makes any sound out of it. Hey, guys. Oh, oh, quick. Um, so it was just announced that Joshua Williamson, Jorge Molina, the Batman's writer and artist, uh, starting with 118 to 119, a couple months from now. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, and if you don't like it, who would you like to see on? Um, probably other than. <laughs> I think for me, I, I want them to do a similar to the Spider-Man books um, that they're going to do with Nick, once Nick Spencer leaves with a rotating cast and kind of just get some fresh system get some new ideas out there and maybe maybe do that for detective i don't know uh yeah i just thought throw out a little you're having a great well i'm glad that i sent that to Django. i do think that what i just realized is that my phone uh was still linked up to a bluetooth speaker in my bathroom so i think that um, some audio was starting it so she's probably freaked out in her bath right now but um (laughs) i i think that i feel the same way about the joshua williamson thing as I think Django does, who said it somewhere recently, and I just totally agree with it. Was was it? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I like him taking over the Flash, but that petered out pretty quick. But it was mm-hmm. essentially you said something to the effect of like, I've never finished a Joshua Williamson book, yeah. and I agree. I I liked the premise of Infinite Frontier, which he's doing right now. I liked the beginning of the Flash stuff, um, but I have not seen him fully execute a story that's maintained my attention through it yet. Mm-hmm. So I do like him. I think he does good stuff. And I do think I'm going to just put it all on me at this point. I think I'm probably more open-minded about his, his Batman run than I was about Jimmy TIVs. Sorry, Jim's. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, who would I like to see do it? I mean, obviously Tom Taylor, you know, um, but he's got a different thing coming down the pipe. Um, Frank Miller. I would take a Frank Miller book, but they would make him do the art. It would be this big thing. And I would just think if you, they could just have like an actual artist tell the story with Frank Miller now, instead of making it a giant mm-hmm. event, I think it would be better. Roman, what about you? Who would you love to see on a like right Batman? I do think Andrew's idea is fantastic. A, a, maybe a rotating cast, three or four issues at a time of just getting some new stories for a year would be awesome. Andrew, I hope you're reading Legends of the Dark Knight because that's that. exactly what yeah. that is. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that one. Um, well, I'd love to see Morrison do it again, but, mm. but uh, if it was somebody that hasn't written Batman, actually I realized cause it's sitting in front of me. I would love uh, to see Chris Condon, the writer of that Texas blood mm. writing Batman, mm. write some Batman stories. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. And Brubaker, of course, but you know, he's done it before. Oh, Brubaker would be awesome. There's like been see... some, oh. sorry. I, no, I was going to say there's been some talk of Mark Wade coming back to DC, which is a huge oh. deal. 
and wow. that would be either a Superman thing or a Batman. But I would love for him to do a Batman. Boy, yeah, yeah, a hopeful yeah. Batman. I just think that he ta- taps into those the cores of those characters. But yeah, honestly, my answers seem to be hearkening back to like, well, this person did it well. I'd love them back. And yeah. that's not. I mean, like, I would say I mean, you could you could ice make cream a big man, stretch. Christopher Cantwell or W. Oh, Maxwell Todd Prince. McFarlane? Todd McFarlane. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Django, I had cut you off though. What was your answer? Oh, Andy Helfer and Kyle Baker. Oh, and you know anybody in Bill Sinkevich. <laughs> I don't know Todd McFarlane and Bill Sinkevich. The head that blew up in Echo Lands this week kind of reminded me of Kyle Baker. I don't know why. Yeah. It just blew up in a way that made me think about Kyle Baker. Bakerian way. Yeah. Um, Andrew, that was an awesome question. And uh, I hope that we also did you some justice by talking about cable for a second. Um, You rule. Thank you for your question. And I'll make sure I'm not Bluetoothed next time. We have two more books. We're going to do them kind of quick on here. Let's talk about Spider-Man Life Story Annual number one. This is by Chip Zdarsky and Peter Bagley, Mark Bagley, sorry. And what I want to say right out of the gate is that this is the best Mark Bagley I've seen in quite a while. This did not <laughs> suffer the problems that the main series of this did with his art. Like, it, Do you think that has to do with the anchor Andrew Hennessy or the colorist Matt Mila? I have no idea, but it just seems like it took every issue he put twice as much time into. And uh-huh. that really, st- like, I think that good Mark Bagley is good. And I think yeah. rushed Mark Bagley is not. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Mark Bagley is one of the artists. Like for me, is one of the Spider-Man artists when he's when he's good. Like Ross mm-hmm. Andrew and Andrew in the seventies. Uh, I want to write a letter to Chip Zdarsky and just say, "Dear Chip, do we need to be more sad right now? Love Django." Yes, I just am fascinated by him as a person because he just seems like I I don't know maybe I'm projecting, but he reminds me a lot of me. Mm-hmm. Not to get way too emotional, but like. You know, sometimes you hide a lot of sadness and angst with humor. And it just seems like he is so humorous on the surface. But when he's writing something, it is not a bummer, but really introspective and focused Mm -hmm. on growth and focused on problem and focused on emptiness. And just um, it just reminds me a lot of like the balance between my external world and my internal world. And I just there was that day that we were at the Comic-Con I think it was you and Justin and I writing down the escalator and he was writing up the escalator next to us. And I just watched him the whole time and he just looked sad while he was staring at his phone. No one was talking to him. He was just staring at his phone. He was seemed really sad. And I, I was like, compose another hilarious tweet. Yeah. It was just like, is what is this guy? Like, you know, I, I think oftentimes the funniest people that we know are people who are maybe kind of dealing with a lot of big bummer stuff. And this felt like that a lot to me. I think he's really good at it. Oh yeah, I, and, sorry. And I, like I don't mean I don't mean that in a negative way at all. I just mean like he has the ability to uplift and also the ability to make you feel kind of bad. And everything that we've gotten out of him lately has been something that makes me feel kind of bad. And I know that he could be a more positive light now. And I would prefer that. This is an amazing comic. I think this is super well written. I think it's <laughs> I think it's I think it's wonderful. But I sure didn't want to read another funny book after I read this because I felt bad for J. Jonah Jameson, who spent his whole life in fucking jail. I felt bad for every, everybody involved there. And, you know, the re- the redemption story in here is such a small part of the whole thing that it I don't know. I I, I want 
I want more dick jokes right now than I want real life. I just, I feel like his writing has always been this and his art is always the other thing. I just can't think of any, I guess Howard the Duck was a funnily written book, but that seems like maybe the only one in my head. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah. he turned sad at some point. Um, but yeah, well, I, guess, I guess I don't know for sure. I knew him as a Twitter guy for a long time. You should recon his writing work while Roman tells us his thoughts on this because I am curious if he's written other funny things. Um, Silver's. No, I, oh yeah i re- i really love this i mean it had the nostalgic it had such a nostalgic appeal for me because i always loved the reprint stories of J. Joe jameson and all the different spider slayers that he had made um i always just thought that was a cool thing and the spider slayers always look cool and it was so nostalgic that i kind of forgot until jonah goes to prison that's like oh this is life story this is going to be a serious sad story so it really hooked me in there and i loved you know Jonah Osborne manipulating Jonah and then giving him a new a souped up spider slayer that going after the scorpion who Jonah, you know, funded his creation. I liked all of that coming around and yeah, the sadness of Jonah's life and losing everything, his son and everybody. Um, it was great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, it made me feel, feel bad for him and sad and it was so well done. I, I, uh, I totally agree with you. I think it was great, but I also totally agree with Django which is that um, I think that Chip Zdarsky is an awesome writer, but I seldom actually want to read his written books at this point because they, mm-hmm. I feel like they're generally bummers. They, they I take think he a does toll on you. They take a toll. And like, hey, adult man who loses his life to being in prison, I don't think it's super obvious why I don't necessarily want to read that on my <laughs> <Yeah>. time off. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, he's he's brutally real. And there's always a part of me you know, I've been Django and I have been doing a lot of texting back and forth about Bob Dylan songs in the last couple of days. And mm-hmm. I've been sending ones that are like, I really like this bummer version of this song. He's like, it's such a bummer. I'm like, I guess I really like bummer. Like, <laughs> I really like bummer things. I think that that I, I just feel like Chip Zdarsky is a guy who's very in touch with some bummer shit. And yeah. I think that he makes a lot of jokes in light of that. And it seems like when he's being really honest, he's talking about some bummer shit. And he's also very funny about dealing with those things. And he's very I think that you can't, I, my whole thing early about it, like the, the balance of those two things is sort of like, he's so good at being funny. And I should have said he's therefore so good at being intellectually, emotionally, a kind of a downer. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's good at both. And I think that they become kind of coexisting skills. So I don't want to, I don't want to trigger anybody, but Louis CK is pretty similar too. Like he could tell a lot of jokes, but when you watched his show, there were entire episodes that were not funny at all and got you kind of in 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 the the opposite of your funny bone and i think dave Chappelle is a great example of not getting super mm-hmm. depressing but he gets very honest and truthful at times so i do think that yeah. there's this weird relationship between moroseness and comedy and i think that chip zadarsky is right in there so it doesn't surprise me but at this point i think chip zadarsky is great but i'm willing to not read his book his funny stuff is uh captara yeah howard, howard the, the duck. duck he did an issue of uh squirrel girl and not brand Eck. um but yeah most you're you're totally right most of his stuff like the most lighthearted thing is probably daredevil which is like wrist slittingly <laughs> sad sometimes <laughs> i forgot that he's been writing that yeah it's so morose so yeah, yeah. Um, i would just, i don't just, know i i just know he can do it i know he can make me laugh and it's yeah. it's uh it's penis jokes in the background though it's true it's funny though i like he's i as as the years have gone on I mean, I thought it was, I thought his Howard the Duck was fine and Captara was funny, but I like and respect him a lot more nowadays than I did when he was just doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I want to point out a little nod he did in 
the last page of this book, Jonah, um, before he Jay dies, Jonah? yeah, um, writes writes a book called Webs. That was in the regular Marvel Universe. That was the name of Peter Parker's uh, coffee table photography book that he published hmm. in, in Web of Spider-Man. Oh. Nice one, Chipper. Um, <laughs> I gave this one an eight. I think he's great. And yeah, you know, when he's on a book like Daredevil and it's him and Chiquetto, it's amazing. This was, I was super pumped at the art in this one. It was really impressive stuff. Uh, good Bagley. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Oh. But I totally agree with Django. Bit of a downer. I would love for Chip to go through a phase of making me laugh again. I'll jump on that bandwagon, Jeff. I'll give him an eight. The Ocho. I gave, the Ocho. It, a, I gave it a 9.5. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I could have given it higher. I just, you know, prison narratives are a thing for me. Um, all right. Well, let's do a quick final get out of here. And I'm just glad that I'm not editing these anymore. Andrew, thanks for getting this to an hour and 15, an hour and 20. I don't know how you're going to do it. An hour and 70. I don't give but, a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't either when I'm not editing it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ice Cream Man 25, a bit of an anniversary issue for W. Maxwell Prince, Martin Morazzo, and the O'Halloran Mon, Chris. Um, I, you know, Django, not to steal your speech, but you came in and you said it was a good issue of ice cream man it wasn't an amazing issue of ice cream man mm -hmm. it was a good issue of ice cream man i would say probably top two-thirds probably top half but there's been some amazing issues of ice cream man and there are not a lot of good issues of ice cream no they're it's all usually amazing. great yeah, yeah yeah and i i think my favorite part of this issue actually was like the final six page epilogue thing but um but roman actually based on your response to that what did you think about this oh I loved it. This was my favorite book of the week. Nice. This this was my 10. Well, then it takes place as an airplane is crashing and a lot of chaos is happening in the world around it. But I want to know, because the way I deal with Ice Cream Man is like, okay, here's a, a thing that's happening, but what does it mean? Uh -huh. So for me, I struggled to kind of find what I thought he was trying to say. And for you to be giving it a 10 makes me feel like you had maybe more of an idea or you extrapolated something more from this. So what did you like think kind of this was a meditation on? Tell us about I, the orange juice you squeezed out of this comic. Yeah. I'm not sure I extrapolated any, any good juice out of this. Um, but I like, that's one of the things I loved about this issue is I didn't come to any conclusions. I mean, they're crashing in this plane. There's only one guy on the plane. That's like, seems to grasp reality. Everyone else is like, Oh no, I have a drink. Don't worry. Well, there's a woman doing needlepoint. And the pilots are just a couple of goofballs, um, mm -hmm. how they got this job. And then at the end, when the one pilot admits his feelings in the other one, and he imagines the other one reciprocating. And then the tear, the gut wrencher, when you find out, no, the other one was like, you fucking asshole, I hate you. And that's the last thing. <laughs> and then they die. Um, and I didn't know what to take from all of these, all these little vignettes. And the fact everybody, everybody was apparently just not ignoring reality and there's even like uh uh an homage in here to um uh william shatner's character on the twilight zone episode hey, there's something on the wing yeah yeah so there's insane. no except there's no wing the whole wing is gone yeah. and what all this means i i don't know i love the fact that people seeing it on the ground at different vantage points it all symbolizes or thought they thought it was an angel or they thought these different things and it's actually just this metal tube full of hundreds of people that are going to die a horrible fiery death but they but the people on the ground each interpreted it different ways and i just love the mystery i love the fact we see the the junkie couple from the second issue mm -hmm. are are on the ground as this plane is crashing and they're the only recurring characters here to speak like ma major characters right except for I, like maybe I, in the epilogue maybe some of those weird things have been mentioned like yeah 
but yeah yeah i don't know if i think so any well we do get to see you know the the opposite number of of ice cream man i don't know what you call this guy the cowboy yeah in the Mm -hmm. end too yeah he's there at the very end I, i love the fact that weird paralogue um and there's those critters that look like slee stacks from land of the lost <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the end in a second let's okay. do the, the bones here i do i totally agree with you roman i um you know i i in eighth grade history class i loaned uh the studio ghibli movie grave of the fireflies to my history teacher in a world war ii unit because i was certain he was going to really like it and then he watched it and returned it to me and he was like i was like did you like it and he was like well i don't know if i really liked it and like i finished it and i didn't really necessarily like it but then he said but I sp- i've spent the last couple of days thinking thinking about it and that <laughs> is the sign of good art to me and that's a quote that's always yeah. stood out in my mind um and ice cream man often does that so did yeah. i pull i i didn't pull anything from sometimes ice cream man i feel like i get what they're ty- trying to have a conversation about and i didn't necessarily get that with this issue but there's so many questions like why did we spend a bulk of this issue with the pilot thinking that the other pilot did reciprocate his feelings and then we find out just in one page on the end that he didn't reciprocate his feelings and he hated it. like what does that mean and i like that there's a lot of questions i, I prefer that i want to have questions and i want them to be feel lingering enough to make me want to think about them which this does however i would say that ice cream man is at a point now where often enough, it feels like it's just posing questions and it doesn't bring it back to a central thing that I kind of wish that it was. And so I really like the epilogue for this because it even mentioned like we're going to the trial of this demon with the ice cream face smile. Mm -hmm. But the most telling thing about that was to be continued or not somewhere toward the end of the road, which told me, okay, there there is a story that you're trying to tell and this has been successful enough that now you can be doing one shot things that are just sort of like meditations. And I think that that's what this book is, is more than anything. These issues are just meditation. Uh, it's like the idea of like if a tree falls in the woods, do you hear it? It doesn't mm-hmm. hear it. Uh, what's the sound of a one armed man clapping? Like all of these are thoughts think about when you fall off a building. Yeah, so, they're all designed to have a thought. So sorry. Yeah. Both of you. So, so koans, right? Those, is that what that's called? Hmm. I don't know the word. Yeah. The, like the tree, like the sound of one hand clapping. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I was wondering is that, I mean, I hope it's more than this, but like the woman is needle pointing, her needle pointers were all going down. And I think that comes up a couple of times elsewhere in the issue. Yeah. And the kid says it, that they're, they, they mentioned Dante's Inferno mm-hmm. um, and how the descents are endless. And this plane crash takes forever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like yeah. this, this is a long, long, long descent. So, yeah. I mean, there's something in here about, self-deception and the way we maybe go through our lives and we're all heading down eventually but the ways we lie to ourselves or or cope <laughs> to me guys, sorry did, did, did you catch that the co-pilot mentions that when he dies he wants to come back as a bird like a blue jay or maybe some kind of kingfisher and on the last page there's yeah. two birds i just wanted yeah. to talk about that last page but i forgot about the way that it references that which you're right so i wonder if there's something to the idea that maybe even that other pilot did feel that way but wasn't able to express it even in their dying moments maybe mm-hmm. but but to me what this referenced most than anything was the final issue of haha which was when the clown killed himself and he realizes in the moment while the bullet is about to leave the gun and travel through his head that he killed himself because the world is horrible but the world is also beautiful at the same time football is death and football is life but football is also death and football Listen, is Chip football. But like this idea to quote Ted Lasso season two, episode one. But to me, this final page encapsulates a lot of it, which is here's the wreckage of this plane. But here's the beauty of these two birds frolicking in the sun. 
Mm -hmm. And so to me, this issue illustrated the balance of like, you can be focused on the fact that you're dying. You are dying. Everything is bad and you're about to be dead. Also, people love you. The sun is shining. Music is gorgeous. Smells and food are delicious. You have the ability to focus on the good things, but there's also all the bad things. So to me, a lot of what W. Maxwell Prince is dealing with in this series and ha ha and a lot of his stuff is just this balance between what do you choose to acknowledge like just the negative things or the positive things Mm -hmm. um but that's you know only what i pulled out of that final image and while reading it but then now you mentioned that like they mentioned the bird stuff and you know there's uh there's probably a different meaning there but that's kind of where i'm at with my life what i pull out of this right now and that's i think great meditations or whatever roman calls them just called them not you call them Uh, that's what they're called but cohen cohen k K-O-A-N. Um, hmm. I think that's what they're for. And I was recently talking to Sam about them and I, I think they're incredibly important. And I just like, I think that's really, really high art. And she was like, yeah, I've always been kind of weird. I just like, what does sound does a tree make in the forest if no one's around to hear it? Well, it still makes a sound. I'm like, yeah, that's what I used to think when I was young also. But like, does it? But obviously does it, it does. But what does that mean? Like, what is sound? What is, what is an action without a response? What right. is what is the purpose yeah exactly like what is what is something that elicits a response without a response and does it exist at all and all of these things i think i think they're a beautiful way of thinking about things listen this is why i text you guys jokes that i think about in the middle of the night because if (laughs) if i think it if that tree if that hilarious tree falls in the woods (laughs) of my bed and there's no one around to text it to then did it even happen All the trees that fall in the forest, Django imagines as as giant whoopee cushion sounds. Yeah, <laughs> dick shaped whoopee cushions. Yeah, I love that. Like that last page, and even the birds, because I interpreted maybe I'm maybe I'm darker than I want to admit, but I interpreted the two birds as, oh look, there's the one. He's wide open wings, flying toward the other one, and the other one's like, whoa, hey. <laughs> I'm backing up here. Get away or from me. <laughs> are they flirting? I think one's flirting and the other one's like, hey, get the fuck away. <laughs> I, I think I I think both of you, I think there's a there's that <laughs> I think that that conversation is embedded in that image. Yeah. And I don't think there's an answer. And that's what I think this yeah. book and Ice Cream Man 25 issues in, I think that's what this book is doing and doing well. Yeah. And if I'm if I do have that right, that's what a Cohen is. It's what is the sound of one hand clapping? The answer isn't important, really. Right. It's it's the thinking about it and the way you're working through the question is what what is the goal? God, I, hope this about series, yourself while doing it. I hope this series runs as long as Cross did. I hope we get a hundred issues of ice cream. It's over. Yeah, and that that ambiguous thing that somewhere toward the end of the road, I was like, wait, is this the last issue? What's happening? <laughs> I want more of that. I I want more of that. More that, more of the story between the brothers. Yeah, I want more of that peppered in. Um, because it's been a lot of issues since we had the one like issues or something. Yeah. Yeah. Since the last time. And that was the only other time that had been mentioned. And that's the most interesting thing to me. And having, I don't necessarily want answers, but some framing device for like this demon is the spirit of chaos. Are we dealing with the balance of chaos and order? Maybe it doesn't matter, but that's what I really want. And I, I, w- I, I would probably drop off this series if like, if it's 50 issues in and we still aren't getting much of that. We don't want to know who killed Laura Palmer. We just want to know that you know who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah, exactly. Which is my love for Hickman and Morrison as well. It's I want to be on a ride where I trust that it's going to end well. I mean, this guy hasn't done a ton, but I don't think that he's fucked anything up. No, no, I agree. So he's, he's still got my trust, but I also start there. Yeah, I don't. 
but uh, I'm a broken, broken boy. Yeah, I appreciate too that he doesn't overuse the goddamn spiders. But here's yeah. one at the end of this issue. <laughs> I could, Ooh, I me? could just use it like every ten, every yeah. twelve, like just a little bit. Like because before this. I was at the point where I was like, I'd actually, maybe that was just a one shot. Maybe we're never coming back to that idea that there's like, these are kind of the living embodiments of something. And I like that this, to me, my favorite part of this whole thing was like, Oh, you are, that is a thing you want to wrap up at some point. Okay. Okay. Can I tell you my conspiracy theory about ice cream, man? Yeah, please. I think that it was supposed to be four or five issues long. Mm, I totally agree. I think it was like one paper. Yeah. One paperback. Yeah. And I think that we didn't get that stuff about the two brothers or the, the two counterparts until the middle of the second volume, mm-hmm. right? Like somewhere between issue five and eight, I think um, is where yeah. we got that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and I think later. that he kind of introduced that. And I think that the series is probably popular enough that he doesn't need to end it anytime soon. No, that's totally what I yeah. totally think. It's just like, this is popular enough at this point that he doesn't need, we're going to do vignettes or one shots until the sales dip or he gets bored of doing it. And then he's going to wrap it. But I think that that's a lot of comic series, right? I get an, you have a beginning, middle and end. And then based on the popularity, the middle extends for as long as that popularity sustains it. So, right. And I, I agree with you. I'd like a little bit more of that stuff, but I'm also never bummed when I, I'm always bummed when I finish an issue, but I'm never, I'm never, (laughs) I never feel like it was a throwaway issue. It was never a waste of my time that we've gotten to that. I think never a waste of my time. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, on that note, everybody, we've done this dang thing. We've gone over time. Andrew's got his work cut out for him, but we are the comics place. Uh, Just a couple of buddies who run a comic shop and uh, we have a rotating guest crew of people. I think Colette's going to be here next week. Um, come visit our great uh, new worker, Sean, um, who is killing it the last two weeks of working there. We had a successful free comic book day. Thanks for everyone that came. Mm-hmm. Um, you can send us questions like Will and Andrew did if you just email Jeff at thecomicspace.com. And if you send us an audio file that I can't get to work, we'll still make it work because Django's better with technology than I am. Um I what just don't I have a Bluetooth speaker hidden under the toilet in my bathroom to freak I out was, my girlfriend. I like to listen to things in the shower. I like to listen <laughs> to things in the shower. Um, what else am I forgetting, my friends? Gosh, uh, email us. Give us a high five. Give us a, give us a five-star review somewhere. Like, if you're not going to do five stars, why even fucking bother? You know I what I mean? I agree with that. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, We're recording this early this week because I got back-to-back fantasy football drafts Saturday and Sunday of this week and the next weekend, too, I think. Listen, wear a mask around people. Get vaccinated if you're not. If you're not yeah. already, if you're not vaccinated right now, I'm judging you. But I'll stop as soon as you get vaccinated. Like, <laughs> but get a vaccine. But just in do your it. Blood. Not not a big deal. You're gonna have to have it to come into our store starting on Wednesday. So and we're you know. prou- proud of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, quite a few bars and restaurants in Bellingham. Yeah, New Orleans and New York. What was it? My my brother Seattle? said that. Uh, New Orleans and New York and everything else is just Cincinnati. Uh, but, but those two places Chicago. are <laughs> those two places are requiring vaccines to go into any public place. And gosh, we're barreling towards that for the whole country. So get vaccinated. Let us let us off the hook. I'm tired of yeah. tired of working hard to do the thing that we love to do. But you know what? We're also proud to be kicking people out if they're not vaccinated. So fuck it. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? And everybody should be too. So my favorite um, part of this week, Jeff. Yeah was when that guy that we kicked out of the store years ago came in in disguise and we got to kick him out again. That, that was, was one of the, that was one of the best moments of the last two years, Django. <laughs> when I knew that was going to happen, I ran upstairs and I didn't fully illustrate that like I could have kicked that guy out, 
but I was actually trying to give you a gift because like I knew that you had had a tough day and I was like, I think it would really make you happy to kick this fucking guy out. Let me right hand now. you this this release valve as if you're the, a pressure the, cooker and you're the, just going to push on the top a little the bit. The universe gave us that gift. This, Yeah, so that was a, that was a special, special moment. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, hey, um, as always, this is the Papcast. This is 237. Thank you, Will, for that awesome introductory email. That really does set everything off super well, but also... You're not beholden to that, and we'll be able to handle it without you. If you get trapped in a world of boxes, what is that from where they like kept themselves alive? By, is that a Simpsons thing? I don't know. Ahead, He'll tell from, us. From episode 1111? I read into that one. I didn't know the episode when I looked into it, so I just didn't bring it back up. But we're going to get out of here now. I am Jeff, as always, the person here with headphones and a mic. Roman. Sorry, I just stepped I, on your I, toes. I, I, am, I am Roman, I, and I have, I have headphones and a mic, but I also have a hat. I had a bit so. I had a bit going because you were going to be in a guest house today, so I was going to pretend it was one of your rich mansions that you had gone to oh. because you just have all these rich places that you go to, but you forgot to bring your recording equipment, so it was going to be a bad recording equipment thing. Sorry, that was my head. Yeah, because, so. you know, I, I've done that before, and the, you know, the mic fell in the hot tub, and it almost killed me, so I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, for sure. I'm Django. I, I was wondering... I was thinking, you guys. What's on your mind, was, big guy? Well, I was thinking about this today. If if you had to take like a type of fish, yeah, and Sockeye. some sort of direction, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, put them together mm-hmm, into a last mm-hmm, name for mm-hmm, a superhero, like mm-hmm. for example, Gar, a Gar fish, mm-hmm. and the direction could could be like uh, side. So you have like mm-hmm. Gar side would be a last name mm-hmm. for a superhero. What mm-hmm. would you? Like, what would you choose mm-hmm. if you were if you were going to go mm-hmm. like I'm Clark Garside? No, I would be the North Gar. The North Gar. The X Men North Gar. Right, right, Roman. Mm, I was going to do North, so now I got I got to do another one. Um, I'll be Sockeye Brian da- Sockeye something. Down. Huh? Who's Brian Sockeye Down. I like Brian Sockeye Down. I love it. I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, this is two thirty seven. We'll see you all next week. Get it, boys and girls and non-binary friends. Friends beyond the binary. We'll see you all next week.